Have, Let's start have, that over. This is Paul Jones. <laughs> we're Bootleggers yeah, Music Group. Blue, <laughs> I messed it up. Bootleggers Music Group and Bootleggers Music Group Radio. Very it nice. is. It is uh, Monday. It is Monday. And Dave, who do we have in the studio with us? David Coleman. We have two of my favorite people who are doing pretty phenomenal things in the world. We have Tom Harkness, Xavier University grad, 1989. Eight. 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 Four years, buddy. Okay. So he's, uh, that was close. Uh, Tom was one of the first student leaders that I had the pleasure to work with when I worked in Xavier. Xavier and uh, he, the reason that we're even on the radio today together, Paul, is because he talked me out of quitting. I didn't care for my supervisor at the time. He said, you can't leave us. You can't. I didn't. The rest is history. Uh, but you we, did leave. Eventually. Well, you didn't eventually, listen. Eventually, I left. You didn't, you're not a good listener, David. I, I, not I like left. me. <laughs> now, Julie Eller Leonard is a what year? 1989 mm-hmm. graduate. Tom, what was your major, undergrad? Uh, English and theology and with a business option, which means I'm qualified to deliver papers. English bar and, and uh, uh, paint houses. What English and theology, and I've been in here just cussing like a pirate and all, <laughs> no. saying all kinds of stuff. But you're using the right language. You're They're, saying it in English. Well, I so put I it in the proper context. Absolutely. Right. I already have a signal code with them if they need me, what they're supposed to do. Julie, what was your major? Psychology. Psychology. Oh, wow. I am I'm surrounded. <laughs> yeah, you are surrounded. Break out today. the holy water. And as you know, everybody who graduates from Xavier pretty you much are has surrounded the, today. The reason that they're in here that. today is because of their expertise and, and experiences in life. Tom, tell people what you do, for whom? Uh, I am president of Bay Partners Philanthropy, which is a consultancy for small nonprofits. Uh, and a relative to our conversation today, uh, my one of my primary clients is the Ohio Suicide Prevention Foundation, where I'm uh, director of advancement. That's awesome. And Julie, uh, you, you being in the... Oh, go ahead. Go no, go ahead. And Julie, um, tell people the reason that you would be in the studio today and what you've done for a living and how that all ties in. So I am the vice president of Market Vision Research, um, leading the qualitative healthcare department. Okay. So basically, I'm a focus group moderator, and I, I lead research in healthcare. Okay. Um, on the side, as a volunteer, um, I'm a small group facilitator for um, Companions on a Journey Grief Support. And in, in particular, I lead the Suicide Grief Loss Group. And you said that's Companions on a Journey. Companions on a Journey Grief Support. Grief Support. Yes. And you got into that because? I got into that because I lost my husband, Steve, to suicide in 2008. Um, And I attended, they started a very, had a very small grief group organization at my church at the time, St. Maximilian Colby in Westchester. Um, And that group has just continued to grow. They now have grief um, specific groups for everything from prenatal, perinatal loss through you know, through a variety of different losses. What I'm excited about today's Paul show is uh, the three of you. I mean, we know your background. Uh, you spoke on 80 campuses a year for a number of years, <clears throat> talking about mental health and called yourself bipolar boy for some of that time. Tom doing what he's doing for the Ohio Suicide Prevention Foundation. Julie's experience um, having lost someone to suicide. And the three of you today bring an incredible mixture of experiences and knowledge that I believe could help people listening to today's program. I think we're going to help a lot of people, David, and I also think we're going to shock a lot of people, and uh, that's going to be good. We're going to tell some, uh, uh, as Tom said, we're going to tell a lot of the truth, and I think we're going to have fun. Don't uh, don't uh, everybody uh, be on the downside, because I think we're going to have fun. Just like I said when uh, I used to speak, you know, we don't have to 
talk about this topic and be all down in the gutter, we're going to throw it in your face and see that there are people that are out there that you're sitting next to today at work, you're sitting next to on the bus, you're sitting next to that are going to need some help. So hopefully we're going to be able to encourage people to start reaching out and get to talking, put those smartphones down, unless you're listening to a radio station on it, and uh, go from there. But uh, right now, is it cool if I uh, punch up a tune and Please then uh, we're going to come back in? And Excellent. I'm going to play, I'm going to, uh, speaking of lifting us up, I'm going to uh, play one called uh, What You Feeling. Uh, this track was a uh, gift from my buddy Bruce Daniels up in uh, Honda Marysville. He's doing miraculous things up there, building uh, theaters and all kinds of really cool stuff with uh, the homeless and and just helping people out and uh, uh, he was building a music venue up there and when um, I was amazed at what he was doing and uh, it's called uh, Leon's Garage mm. and uh, um, he looked at me and said you know what Paul music is love man it is just music is love and on the way home from Marysville Ohio I came up with this, punched it up, sent it over to Turkey for Ulrich to come up with a composition. <laughs> and it's a fun tune, and uh, you'll hear we're bantering in the studio. So here we go. What you feeling? We'll be right back with our guests and David Coleman and... Bridging the Gap. Bridging the Gap. Here you go. All right, guys. I'm uh, on the third fret. About 120 clicks, I believe it is. Cool, man. All right. Here you go, Bruce. Hey, Leon, you, over, you okay over there on that harp? You ready to go, man? Yes. <laughs> hey, Ulrich, you feeling this thing, man? I'm feeling good right now, man. Totally, man. All right. Let's write one on the fly.
his love, brother. That is a, that's a smoker right there, Mr. Ulrich Ellison. And uh, as always, if you go to Meet the Bootleggers on our website or any app, you can see who I'm talking about. And Ulrich Ellison over in Turkey uh, smoked that one up on the guitar and just uh, is a genius. And uh, the guy's just, he's like, Paul, this one's going to be a smoker, man. <laughs> and uh, yeah, he is. Uh, he just put out an album that's a tribute to, uh, it's a tribute to uh, uh, Jimi Hendrix. And it's all Jimi Hendrix songs. And we have just been joined. It's Paul Jones with Bootleggers Music Group. Bootleggers Music Group Radio. I got it out that time. You did. And uh, we've got, we've got uh, David Coleman in the studio. We just were joined by the uh, Fulchers. Uh, David and his beautiful wife, Judy. Judy in the house. And, uh, and of course, <laughs> David's guests. And we have uh, Tom Harkness from Cleveland and... Uh, Nice of you to make the drive down today, or last night, late last night? Late last night. Late last night. Uh, I've many, many times up and down uh, uh, I-71. I, I only get worried when I get to Washington Courthouse, because it's the center of nowhere. I get worried when I'm there. I, yeah, I push right through it. I understand. <laughs> we have Julie Ebler Leonard here, who's from Cincy. And, mm -hmm. uh, Can, say that, say that last name again. Ebler Leonard. Leonard. Leonard? Yes. Leonard. Leonard. Oh, it sounds like you're saying something else. Are Eb you saying a middle? Are yes. Ebeler's yes. Eb my name. Oh, okay. I thought either he's getting ready to have a stroke or <laughs> I'm getting ready to have a stroke. Because I hear more Ebeler. And I learned very quickly when I sent them an email that there are two Bs. Oh, okay. We can just say Leonard. That's Great. Okay. okay Great. Is Leonard fine? Mm -hmm. And I also just found out that you two, Judy and Julie, which is Judy, Julie, I, I'm going to screw that up. There's no question. But you went to Notre Dame mm -hmm. High School together? We yeah. did. Yes. Look what great things come Small out of Notre Dame. Yeah, oh my gosh. Well, Paul, here's here's something I want to say, and it's amazing that they're all in the studio here. This is gonna be a good day. Do you know how we felt? You know, and you said this to me, and I had I already knew him, so I get but you know how you felt when the Fulchers left the studio the other day, last right, right, week right. when we taped last one? And you looked at me and you said, I just made two friends for life. Right. Huge ditto on what's right. about to happen. Yeah, and I and I want to get right to the meat and potatoes of today because of the uh, the topic and everything. I'm going to let David. Uh, sure. We did we did some introduction prior, so we do have some introduction prior, and I'm going to let you uh, uh, take the controls and let's just jump in here. I do want to I do want to welcome the Fulters officially. I want to say welcome. Thank you for having us again, Mr. Welcome, Dave Fulters. We're glad to be back. Man, it's going to be a fun day. It's nice it? to have you. It is. It's a beautiful sunny day. There well, you go, David. Let me tell you why today is so important to me on this episode of Bridging the Gap is a few years back. I lost my three best friends within a six-month period of time. Paul, you're one of my best friends, too. But at that time, one of the three people that where I was hanging out with, when your phone texts or calls, it's almost always them. When you're going to go hang out with someone, it's them. When you're talking about a football close loss or a win, you're celebrating with them. I lost one to a heart attack, one to cancer, and the final one to suicide. Mm -hmm. And that's why having all of you in the studio today is so important to me. And, and well, and mental, mental health, too. Let's, let's understand. And one of the reasons, you know, uh, I think... Uh, uh, one of the reasons the Fulchers wanted to come in is mental health really uh, affects what they do because let's face it, the people that you're working with um, are, are facing some issues. I mean, you know, and, and if we can get to the issues prior to what ends up happening, a lot of times that's, that's where we're at, right? And Julie, you asked me to do this today and I'm going to go ahead and do it. And I, I think you and uh, Tom had this comment for me. I'm going to say today, Paul, that today's content contains suicide and self-harm topics. Listener discretion is advised. If you need to talk to someone today, please call the National Suicide Prevention Hotline at 
273-8255. I'll say it again, 1-800-273-8255. All right, let's go ahead and start this. Julie, one of the things that caught my attention, well, we were, we were talking last week, the three of us had lunch, which was fabulous. You, we were sending some things back and forth so that I could prepare today. Yep. And you said, thank you so much for not saying committed suicide. I said, your husband died by suicide. And you wrote back and said, thank you so much. Why? Because committed suicide sounds like a crime. And in, in many cultures, it has been treated as a crime. In the Catholic Church, for a, a very long time, it was treated as a mortal sin. What we need to understand is that suicide is typically not a desire to die. The people who attempt, the people who succeed, are trying to get out of pain. It is the result of an illness, oftentimes, mental illness. Sometimes it is um, just an extremely painful moment and there's a person who, who does something that's kind of impulsive. Um, <clears throat> but more often than not, our understanding is that this is coming from a place of deep, deep pain. And so to criminalize that or to lay this idea over it, um, it just adds unnecessary stigma to a very highly stigmatized condition as it is. It's a nanosecond, man. It's a, uh, I, when I spoke, I would tell people, when I, when I speak today, I tell people, it's a, it's a nanosecond. It's a, it's a second in time. I'm very blessed I came out on the good side of the second. I, ca I came out on the good side of the second. A lot of people are not that lucky that uh, they don't. As a matter of fact, I've come out on the good side of the second many, many times where I woke up and went, what are you talking about? I'm still here. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I was like 15 bottles of wine, God. <laughs> you, know? <laughs> you know, so yeah, it's, and you are right. I'm glad you clarified that. Well, uh, she clarified what the, it for me. What the, what the, no, I'm glad you brought it up and, and bring that up because committed, mm, died by, yes. You know, Tom, do you have a take on that? I do. I, I, I and Julie summarized it perfectly as you, you knew she would. But it, it, we've we've taken it a step further. Uh, I have a tattoo that you can't see because we're on radio, but it's a semicolon, and it's an uh, uh, of what's called the semicolon project. It was a woman who, um, in the North uh, West. Uh, was heavily involved in the ink uh, uh, community, and she had uh, family history of, of depression and, and suicide. Unfortunately, she lost her dad, uh, and she was trying to turn that into something that that could be a positive. Trying to try and take that anguish and, and move it uh, towards something that could help people out, and um, that's how she began with the semicolon. And the semicolon, as an English major, uh, is a little pretty nerdy, uh -huh. it's pretty nerdy and wonky right now, but but. Uh, many of the other grammatical marks end the sentence, as you just said. Boom! They stop it. It when when somebody is in that level of pain and that level of of trough in their mm -hmm. lives, the best they can do, the best thing they can do is just keep going. Just keep mm -hmm. going. Go for another day. Right. Because the world is gonna look different in a, another minute, in another hour, in another day. It just is. Go for yes. go for even just just to get to that next second. Sometimes yes. is mm -hmm. so hard. Just to get to that next breath. Sometimes is so hard. And but you do have to push yourself. And uh, you know what I always tell people is find somebody to talk to. Find even if it has raise nothing. your hand. Yeah, raise your hand just, and say I need help. Yeah, for and, sure. You know I used to ask the people. You know David. 
uh, and I'm speak, looking at David Fulcher, if I needed your help, would you help me? Sure. If I asked you for your help, Judy, would you help me? Absolutely. Julie? 100%. In a hot second. Every, every day. You see what I'm saying? It's that. Sometimes it is really that easy. Uh, I agree. You know, Tom, we're pretty honest on this show. All of us, the Fulchers will tell you from last week that we were, when you were a student, you were one of the top students. You were academically brilliant. You were one of my top student leaders. But you I were thought one, we were telling the truth. Listen now. <laughs> I'm trying to help you. I figured your mom was listening. There's smoke coming out so, of you, Tom. So when you, when you were working hard, you worked hard. I don't still to this day, I'm not sure over the course of my collegiate career, I've ever met a student who partied harder either. So you were a work hard. You were a party hard guy. And now here you are sitting in front of me as the foundation president of the Ohio well, Suicide I, I, Prevention I, I, Foundation. Something happened somewhere yeah, yeah. that you're sitting in this chair. What happened? Uh, well, I've lost, I, I, and just to be clear, I'm president of my own business, and I just did, uh, uh, Suicide Prevention Foundation is a client of mine, but, but because the, the executive director is a guy named Tony Coder, who does an extraordinary job. I really, uh, and we have a, a good-sized staff, all of whom are... Uh, capable, competent professionals, but what happened uh, specifically um, was twofold. I saw uh, an article in the PD, uh, the State of Ohio commissioned by uh, Governor the PD DeWine. Plain Dealer. I'm sorry, the Plain Dealer. is Ohio's uh, uh, largest newspaper in Northeast Ohio. Um, it was an article about the state's first suicide prevention plan, the official plan that they had just commissioned, which as an aside, we're the 50th state out of 50. So that's really got my eye. I'm like, how, how do we, we're like the seventh or eighth biggest state in the union. How do we become 50th in something this important? But the Suicide Prevention Foundation led it, put it together. Uh, and it resonated with me because I had just lost about six months before my one of my best friends, my best friend, Dan Best, um, who a year, bef two years before, had gone down to Washington to work in the Department of Health and Human Services to try and put uh, uh, some reality, some pricing, some facing to medical uh, uh, care. In other words, how much does a drug cost before you pay for before you get it? How much does an MRI cost? Realizing that no one would buy a box of Cheerios, not knowing how much they cost, but they'll get health care. And Dan was... Um, sleeping about three hours a night uh, for a long time and, mm -hmm. and and no one is exactly certain how but but uh, it happened or why but uh, which will lead to a conversation we'll have later but unfortunately he took his uh, life uh, let me share uh, something else you gave to me this before I uh, uh, he was supposed to finish you said this to me I was asking you guys what might, be, what might we talk about getting to know you I mean I know you as a person but I didn't know the background for which we're talking today. And you said, my diagnosis of a seizure disorder while I was in my second year of law school, out of the clear blue, and at a time when I was laboring under the delusion I was 25 years old, single, and absolutely bulletproof, brought on crushing depression, and no doubt almost took away my willingness to go on. Yeah. It was hard for me to read those words coming from someone like you who, other than Paul Jones, I don't know who has more energy on a daily basis or enthusiasm for life than you do. Well, you know, people, and that's why I hope I have some empathy for, for a good deal of it, for people who are in pain, because 
you know, David was a pro athlete, and and everybody's in this room has achieved great things. I, I bulletproof was the was the right word. I didn't think anything could stop me. I was my second year of law school. And you certainly gonna, aren't. You certainly aren't going to reach out and ask anybody for any no help. Way, no, no way. No way. And and then the you know if you put it on like a uh, a podium, you have this image of yourself on a on a pedestal, and the pedestal just gets knocked out. You lose your health. You don't know if you're going to be having you know active seizures again you lose money you lose your station you lose everything you've got relationships i was just a hot mess situational spiraling man situational, situational spiraling, spiraling. Well done. spiraling you. yeah man. i, I it, life is crest and trough and i was i was thrown into a trough and yet um you you find if you just try you just put a you put one foot in front of the other again there's a way out. You gotta ask for help, though. If no, I didn't you, go to the Epilepsy Foundation, God knows what would have happened. Sure. If my that's aunt, the hardest thing, Tom. It's it is thing. so hard for you know. And I'm I'm gonna yield over here just real quick to David. How many times I gotta ask you this? I, it just dawned on me. You know, you, you talk about like yourself, and you know we'll get to but. People that live these larger than life lives that are successful, like yourself, Tom, and myself, and I, you know, I don't know, I want to learn your husband's situation, and but sports figures, how often do you see all of a sudden that career is over? Boom, you're done. Been there and done that, you know. And, and David, can I ask, did you go through any? Yeah, I did. Um, I, I I love you for just saying. No, those I mean words, I did. Dude. I mean people don't know because all they all they see is this. Because you couldn't say anything? This big statue of a, of a uncle, a man who's powerful and does what he does. But You alluded to it during the last podcast. You said there was the Bengals, there was that blip on the radar screen, then there was the Raiders. And you said, when you, you know, got a, I still got up at six every day. I still made sure I was getting up. Yeah. I had a job. I had a mission to do. That had to be harder in that interim. Very hard because there were times that I, I felt not even worthy. You know, right. I've, I've done all this work. Your self worth is over. Things and I've done this. And fortunate for me, it was um, I opened my mouth to her. There you go. Which was scary because there were a lot of people that I couldn't say anything to. Yeah. They didn't want to hear that. There's no way David Fulcher no. is feeling, you know, you know, smaller or demoralized. And if I didn't open my mouth. Who knows? Because Man, if you didn't open your mouth, you were just going to continue to. You know, to, my teammates didn't even want to hear it. How do you tell? Of course they don't. How do you tell your teammate that you're feeling this, right? Or your 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 thought about that? Yeah. Because there were many a times um, in in my life that I thought about just saying, you know what, I'm tired. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and I, I'm just tired of it. So so what do I do? And and us players, the junior sayouts, the guys who have yes. taken their lives after football. You know, Junior Seau was out playing in a charity golf tournament the day before right. with a bunch of his no kidding buddies. Right. The tournament's over, he goes home and now he starts shooting up the house and he and he and he well, take, and, and the, the hot people, and mm -hmm. they can't wrap their head around that. And Tom, feel free. You're doing lots of sign language and stuff like that. And, and you, man, talk. Because that's what we're here to do. Well, no, no, you, no, you, all of a sudden what happens is, and I'm going to go right here. But what happens is, what people don't understand is he's at this golf outing and he's got his life back for a minute. 
And then he went back home and realized, I ain't got shit. Yeah. And he thought to himself he didn't have that because his self worth was that. Share with, yeah. if you okay. want to. No, no, I'll tell you anything you want to know. My late husband was an IT consultant, architect, could see. He was one of those guys that, if you imagine those chess players that sit down and they, they can take the one, you move one piece and they know how the whole game's going to go. Uh-huh. He was like that. He's brilliant. A, from an He's IT brilliant. structure perspective. But his job was very lonely, and I kept telling him, you can't do this work, because he was a consultant, so he'd constantly having to prove himself, teach, teach everyone else around him that he was someone trustworthy, someone to be believed in. That wasn't his personality. Very introvert, very just, you just need to trust me. And that doesn't happen automatically. So he found that lifestyle constantly away. He traveled five, six days out of seven for most of our marriage. Right. So I was home with the kids by myself, mm-hmm. and he was all over the country doing his thing. You have thing. three, at least three men in here who traveled almost their entire lives, yeah. mm-hmm. and we're going, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So that loneliness, I think, had a lot to do with it. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a, he started to have um, flashbacks to some things in his childhood he couldn't process, and had when we met in college, he drank too much, and he he did get into AA, did say, you know, I'm an addict, and had, had really been on a, on a strong path. By the time I married him, he had been sober for quite some time and remained sober for most of our marriage. Towards the end, he began drinking again because he was trying to self-medicate. He did all the right things. He did come to me and say, I mm-hmm. can't, I, I can't get, I can't pull myself out of this. Right. He did get help. He was hospitalized multiple times on suicide watch. Um, but the problem with... As you know, the problem with mental health is you start on a medication and then you have to keep building it up little by little and then you have a terrible side effect and you have to back it back down and then you try another one and it's this game of hit or miss Mm -hmm. and I've been through it with him and I've been through it with all three of my kids because you raise children in trauma. That's a whole other other thing. His last six months... He went from being the person who was the rock of our family to somebody who terrified us. Mm-hmm. And I can't even, I look back at that portion of my life, I can't even believe that happened to us. Yeah. Yeah. So when you think about what happens in, in the mind, what happens to that person, they gradually start telling themselves, I'm a burden to everybody else just, around me. I, was I just am not. Ready to say he, he watched his self mm-hmm. change into a person. Mm-hmm. And even if he had, and again, I'm not, I'm not going to use a crystal ball, but I, I've been there, where all of a sudden you have become this person that you know you don't like, mm-hmm. and why should anybody else? And I'm going to do my family a favor, yes, uh, because I'm, right. I'm skating out of here right away. I've got my own opinions on a lot of different types of suicide, wins and wheres. Mm-hmm. but that to me sounds it's very familiar. I've, I've done it. Yeah. I've, I've stared in the mirror and went. I'm nothing but burden. Julie, would you back up for a second? You said mm-hmm. something that's so important, and there could be people listening today that need to know your answer to this. Uh, about two minutes ago, you said he became someone we were afraid of. Afraid of. Yeah. Someone listening to this right now has someone in their family, a friend, an acquaintance, mm-hmm. a coworker, that they went from being a rock who could see 21 moves ahead on the chessboard to someone that they're now afraid of. What's their first, second, third step? What do you suggest to people who are listening right now who could be facing that exact same situation? I wish I had a good answer because the answer today is garbage. 
I actually went to an attorney to say, what do I do? Because he's drunk and he's picking the kids up and he's taking them places. What am I supposed to do? And he said, you have to file for divorce. And I said, I don't want to file for divorce. And he said, you have to do that in order to get a protection order and in order to put some, some protections in place so that they, there can be control over when he has the children by himself unsupervised until he's well. The system, man. What so an on top of that, what an I did what I was told, and the judge said he needs to be, he has to have supervised visits with the children. Guess who they put in charge of supervising those visits? Me. You. So I had to go sit with him while he spent time with our children. And you're already the bad guy. Oh, yeah. Because you divorced him. I didn't divorce him. We oh, never ended up divorcing. I, oh, fi- I filed to get the oh. to get the paperwork, and then I left it alone. Man. But and even they, that step, yeah. I mean, he's already in a bad place. Well, again, using exactly. the word, using the term spiral, right? Because mm-hmm. and I, I used to tell people, all of a sudden, you begin to spiral. Okay, so, and I equated it to falling down a shaft, drywall walls. It's four, it's a shaft, it's all drywall. There's nothing, you're reaching and reaching. And I used to tell people, you gotta somehow kick. If you kick real hard, then your hand, if your hand's up, you're gonna catch that hole. And if you can catch it for just a precise second, just to ask somebody for help. Mm-hmm. And to slow down because all of a sudden when it starts going out of control, that's what happens to our college kids. When they leave home at 18, they start making mistake, mistake, mistake. They start spiraling, start blaming themselves. And that's when it all just starts to explode. Mm-hmm. And that sounds like exactly what transpired. And, you know, the system's just not set up. I don't care what anybody says. No, I, I'm jaded on it. I am. It's not set up. They're going to answer your question in five minutes or less, and they're going to send you on pack, and it's kind of like medication to me. A doctor has no time. Usually the patient's lying to them anyway, and no time to figure out what's going on. Well, I will play a little bit of devil's advocate on that, only because uh, one in five is a, a, a crisis uh, intervention line here, uh, 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 business here in Cincinnati. Uh, we partner with them through the Reds. Uh, they they are, I would say, immensely committed people. Now, you know, there's layers to the oh, there's the so many issue, and I, I, you know, that we oversimplifying it's a mistake. But these people, there are organizations that you know, they, they these people come to work every day, and they're deeply, profoundly committed people, and they do want to make a difference. Uh, we actually uh, uh, initially connected with them around the Bengals, around the kick and the stigma. Uh, event that that uh, and program that we did this past season, uh, and it, it could have been called Kicking the Browns, but but I beat you to it. Hey, hey, Tom, hey. you're six two and you're in the shape. You're six five and <laughs> oh, he beat me like I was a three This is gonna be fun. So all American. Look, Nick, Tom, and David, get the yeah. crap out of each other. No, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna take that pitch and let it go by. Um, uh, but in all seriousness, that's another function that we serve in the sense of we're not at Ohio Suicide Prevention Foundation. We are not uh, a crisis intervention operation. But we, what we are is an organization that can help people who are struggling, who have somebody that they, they need to mm-hmm. uh, uh, get help with. We can plug people into services around the state. Uh, you know, I'll give you one quick example. Uh, Black Girl Smile is an extraordinary program that we 
uh, work with and, and partner with uh, free uh, therapy for young teenage uh, African American and underserved kids from 11 to 18 to get six months worth of free therapy. I, 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 if there's anybody out there that needs it, just yes. call I, or, or uh, you mm-hmm. know, www.ohiospf.org. We'll have the stuff up. We'll make sure we come back the, with all the, this. And yeah. you, Tom, you know what's really interesting? That's just one example of 10 mm-hmm. I can give. But it my is friend. so hard to get people to just reach out. Mm-hmm. That's the, yes, the resources, they are there, man. They re- more so than when I was 11 years old. That's why we're here. It, that's why, that's we're, why we're doing this. And people understand this. If you're sitting listening to this or you're listening within the, the past shows or something like that, and you know somebody is struggling, and I know you know. I mean, you can't throw a dead cat without knowing somebody is going through a mental health problem, especially after the nut job thing we just went through for two years. Get them to either listen to this or get them some help, get them to reach out and do not make them feel like lesser of humans because chances are the parent that's afraid to go ask for help, the parent's having a problem. Of course. Go go start talking to some people, but we gotta get people to reach out. I agree. There's a, there's an organization um, called QPR. It's a, it's a set of training you can Q-P-R. get. QPR, which is question, persuade, persuade. respond. Respond. And Everybody that's that's a facilitator with Companions on a Journey gets that training, um, so I'm certified. And one of the things that that this training is designed to do, you can take it just like CPR training. You can go online, you can take it. Sure. The idea is to be able to recognize suicidal behavior, suicidal ideation, know when somebody's talking in a way that is indicating they're serious or they're 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 beginning to think about a plan, they're beginning to think about this as a, as something that they're considering. For real, not just oh, I'm just going to kill myself. That kind of thing that kids sometimes say. Knowing when they're serious, knowing how to respond to that, knowing what kinds of resources to connect them with, really and the great. more we can help people see the resources that are there now, I don't think that there that that connection is everywhere that it needs to be. It's Every, not everyday it's not. people. Before this program know. is over today, we will be crystal clear on what's available to people and how they get to it. And Tom, I want to say this: one in five was started by the wife of my best friend get who out. died by suicide. I, I, I didn't know that there was a connection there. And we Once didn't again, know that you two went to high school together. And you it's a small world. It's the world continues world. to shrink during the show. Oh, it I'll turn over to you. It's unbelievable. I'm sorry, David. You, are you going to music? Buddy, I'm gonna, I am going to punch up a song here real quick. I'm going to play Walk on, uh, Walk on Water. And uh, uh, this, is a, this is a fun song. It's on our uh, Project 2021. I'm going to go ahead and... Uh, uh, this uh, song means a lot to me, and I'm, I'm going to go ahead and uh, punch this up. And we'll be right back with everybody in the studio. I'm just going to I'm just going to say everybody in the studio. <laughs> the, the party happening in the studio. Yeah. So here you go. Walk on water. We'll be back in uh, four minutes, eight seconds, point nine nine. Been walking in darkness. Been at my weakest Found myself in places My mind just shouldn't be Feeling so worthless So defenseless The self-pity of a man in the mirror Just wasn't me Started reading the verses You showed me my purpose 
Lord, you opened up the clouds like you parted the seas. You opened my eyes up, filled my heart with your love. Now I'm walking on water, there's no stopping me. It's one thing to see, yeah. you must believe it. But take his hand and watch what you on the uh, Bootleggers 2021 project and uh, uh, at uh, one point uh, Ulrich, I'll bring Ulrich up again, he uh, inspired a lot of songs last year. We actually wrote 92 songs, we produced 28 tracks. 92? We, uh, yeah, 92 songs and uh, this year we're going to produce probably about 30 tracks but uh, uh, he, uh, he, uh, he and I were texting each other and he said, Paul, uh, you, uh, uh, you're Right now, I always use his voice when I talk, but uh, he goes, you'll, right now you're walking on water, man, and I think you need to write that song. And if you notice the first two lines in that song, it says, I've been walking in darkness. 
I've been at my weakest. And, uh, and, and that's where I had been uh, prior to the music uh, firing up for us is uh, I was walking in darkness. I was at my weakness and we were talking about reaching out. And you know, to me, I was reaching out to my God and, uh, and, he, and he answered me and I listened. And you gotta, you, no matter how you got to, I used to tell people, I don't care. People go, I can't even get out of bed. Well, you know what? Go get yourself a great dame. And when that dog gets up at seven in the morning and needs to take a dookie, your ass will get out of bed because other than that, the dog's going to dookie in your house. And that's going to be like a 220-pound man. This was called the Paul Jones dookie method. It's the dookie method of, of mental health, of getting out of the bed. I mean, that's that's how I got out of bed. I mean, if I I had two Great Danes, so I got two dookie messes if I don't get out of bed. Tom Harkness, David Fulcher, I have a suggestion. You take over the podcast and work with Paul on a daily basis, and I'll go be well, the she's foundation the psychologist. She's gonna. I'm, I, need, I do need your card. I, I don't. I don't think I have the capability of the linebacker, Mike. I, 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 I just I, safety. A kit like a Paul, linebacker. what is your key to mental health? Get a big dog. Don't let him crap in your room. In your room. All right. Let me get us back on task. Uh, everybody's been pretty honest in here. I'm going to share one really quickly and why I was so excited about today. And Fulcher's with you being here even adds to it. And Paul's expertise. Uh, six, seven years ago, I was going through a really tough time. Really tough time, going through a tough divorce. Uh, my, it was the first time I'd ever been without my children during the holiday season, ever. Their mother lived in New York City. Uh, we had divorced and their mother lived in New York City. And they said, will you take care of the dogs? So they left a couple, they left the 22nd, I believe, and weren't coming back till the 4th or 5th. So no Christmas Eve, no Christmas Day, no New Year's Eve, no New Year's Day with my family. They left the dogs with me. I have two beautiful rescues that obviously rescued me. And I will say this, uh, I had pretty serious thoughts, pretty serious thoughts that I had come to the end of my journey. And I, I'm going to lead into asking for help. I didn't ask for help. The help I needed was there because what went through my mind was, if I selfishly take my life at this point, those dogs will die because no one will be around to care for them. So the fact that I had my dogs to care for and they would have died, is the reason that I didn't go through with it. Now, obviously, these years later, look how life's turned around, look what we're doing today, but uh, it, it hits many of us. I'm not sure it doesn't hit everyone at some point in time if they have that second that you talked about. Right, and what, and Tom, you hit it, you know, t tomorrow changes. Uh, five seconds from now changes. It works both ways, too. Understand, life changes in a nanosecond. Life changes in a nanosecond. But it can also change for the good in a nanosecond. It can change for the good by just reaching out. Like mm -hmm. you said, you, you, you did have a reason. I did you have a reason. You found that reason. The reason reached out to me by looking at me going, if you don't feed me, I'm going to kill you anyway. Right. So I might as well, my dog's 75 pounds, look at me going, feed me now. So I had that. But for people who don't have that, Tom, Julie, Judy, David, for people who don't have that dog story and then... And what do we do? This is where I'm going to say this podcast is different than others. We're not going to say, okay, ask for help. How do we get people to ask for help? What's the simplest thing they can do? Like putting on your sock before you put on your shoe to walk out in the morning? What's the first step people can do to at least try to begin to get the help they need? Well, I, I don't think it, it's simple. It's mm, In no. fact, it's massively complex. That's because everybody's concern everybody's trough to use that metaphor we used before is different that said uh, 
you know, what we're doing, what I think we need to do, uh, and we're, we're tripping over ourselves at OSPF to do it, uh, is to get the voices out there to, from as many different spheres as possible. I'll give you an example. We were talking about the Bengals before. The Bengals partnered with us. It's nice for them to do community relations. The reason we want to partner with the Bengals and the Reds and the Indians and, and you know, sports teams around the state and other organizations is because they have a megaphone that's sure. bigger than the one we have. The, that We have really capable people sitting right here. There are people, men, uh, middle-aged men in particular, uh, because they're the highest incidence of successful, and that's a terrible word for it, completed would be better, uh, suicides, suicide incidences in, this, in the state of Ohio, mostly because of the means they use. Men tend to use more, obviously, lethal means than, mm -hmm. than women. Uh, one of the things we do is put uh, their megaphone through Red's country and Bengal's country to work for us because it, it was fabulous when uh, uh, Kevin Love stood up and said, I, I, I need help. It was, uh, uh, it's escaping me right now, the Simone, uh, the uh, uh, gymnast. Simone Ball. So, yeah, who stood up and said, I can't do this. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, 10 years ago, five years ago probably, some people would have been like, get with the program, just like you were talking with Dave. Get with the program. You know, think about, we just did a, 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 a tournament down here. We sponsored a tournament, a hockey tournament for first responders uh, through another friend of ours from Xavier. Uh, we were in the background. I didn't sell anybody real hard on suicide prevention. We were on banners, and I was talking to as many people as we could. Uh, Hopefully, somebody through one of those soft cells will have the courage to raise their hand. They may not do it if they're put on the spot. In fact, they're unlikely to. But if, if we keep preaching the gospel of available prevention and available you know, postvention for people who, are, who have suffered through it and need help on the back end, uh, Julie's an expert there. She'll I'm going to ask you a question well, real quickly. Postvention. You don't hear that word prevention here all the time. What do you mean by postvention? Uh, I'm going to I'm going to throw that one to the expert in the table. L little rugby move right here. Tossing hey. it over, Julie. So postvention is the care for people who are in the surrounding circle of someone that has taken their life. So that's the work that I do with Companions on a Journey. We have a, a group called Hope and Healing after our suicide loss. The people who are grieving the loss of, you know, your elderly grandmother that was sick for a long time, that loss is very different and a lot less complicated. Not to say it's not important, not to say you're not grieving, but it's a different complexity when you lose someone to suicide. People oftentimes will say they didn't see it coming, they didn't understand, it came out of nowhere, or they were struggling with them through all of the steps of, of trying to reach some sort of healing. Yes. And it, it, you know, it happened anyway. Um, in the group that I lead, I have folks who have lost a, a child, an adult child, teen child, um, their spouse, their father, their mother, um, close friends, and that struggle, those folks oftentimes need extra care because there's, there's this layering on of guilt 
What did NIC? Well, the blame, is un, what did the blame I found was unbelievable. Yes. People would come up to me and just fall in my arms and yeah. say, what could I have done? And, you know, of course, I have my own answer, and I'll keep it to myself right now. But, um, you know, because the answer is really at the end of the day, at the end, at that second, nothing. Right. Nothing. At that second, I, you know, I mean. This program means so much to me today, Julie. Just what you just said. When I lost my friend Jim, I was uh, I, I just landed in Washington D.C. I'm talking to three thousand people in two hours. I'm walking through the airport. I stop and get a quick drink. I'm thirsty. I'm walking toward the luggage, and I have a voicemail message waiting for me from my former vice president, my boss, saying, "You need to know this before you just hear it somewhere else." And I don't remember doing this. I guess I dropped my drink. It went everywhere. People, because I just stood there, people came over and helped me and kind of guided me toward baggage claim. I don't remember much about that. I didn't know anything about prevention, anything about postvention. It was things have happened over the last few years that, you know, Tom, look what you're the foundation president of. And Julie, look what you're doing with your volunteer work. I didn't have that in my life at the time. And I can tell you that wasn't one of my better appearances ever. Uh, the effect on me, and I was just a friend, yeah. not family, but just a friend, was profound. Yes. You know, one of the, to me, one of the largest things that needs to be done, you know, there's mental health and there's mental illness. Let's make sure that's, that's where I'm at. There's mental awesome. health and there's mental illness. Mm -hmm. And, you know, in schools, for an example, you know, when I used to speak, I spoke at all colleges. We try to get in high schools, man. That's, I, I have one of the heads of one of the largest school districts in Cincinnati on tape telling me, we don't want to talk about that. We don't want to talk about suicide. And I, I looked right at her. I mean, I, I take the conversation I told her I was going to, and I looked at her and I said, this must, you got, this must be a cool school district. She goes, what do you mean? I said, you got sex ed? She goes, yeah. I said, you got uh, a drug and alcohol education? Yeah. I said, then the kids must be just sitting, sitting. This must be a blast. They must be drinking, smoking, and having sex all over the place. Because if you're telling me by talking about suicide, they're going to run out and do it, you're an idiot, lady. And that's what I said to her. Like, you're going to not talk, but my point is, we need to be in the schools. Absolutely. We need to get to parents and let them know about postvention, prevention. Talk to the kids about this, the brain. I'm pointing at my brain. I'm pointing at the thing that controls me. Because without them, we tell them about their liver, tell them about their kidney, talk about cancer, talk about this. This thing goes haywire, man, we got a problem. Your, your brain goes haywire, we got a problem, but they won't even bring it up. How, I want to talk about that. How do we get that? Behavioral health is, is, and I think everybody here would agree with this, behavioral health is such a struggle. I have a, a nephew who just graduated a nursing degree, and uh, he was talking just yesterday about the limited amount of time they spent on behavioral mm -hmm. health in his training. I mean, he was working at the Cleveland Clinic. I mean, he's you know at the high end of... Uh, 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 a medical professional career. We give it short shrift, partially, I think, because we don't know a lot about the brain. You know, you reference Junior Seau and, and, and CTE, and, and uh, you know, I played football, played rugby, and they, I have epilepsy, and when they open me up, it's probably gonna yeah. be there. Uh, regardless, people don't understand, even you know, neurologists, professionals will tell you they have a limited understanding of the brain. Uh, that said, we should still be spending all kinds of time with it. Well, especially because when it you, is a universal issue. When you think of it's the most important part of your body. Do me a favor, guys. Stand up real quick. Stand up real quick. Here, hurry up. 
Folks, you hear that noise? They all stood up. You know why they stood up? Because I told them to. You know why they stood up? Because I told them to? Because their brain told them to. Yes. It's so simple. It's sickening. Thanks for participating. <laughs> so it, 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 Might as well stretch while you're Are we going to get a star? Oh, the kids, I'm telling you. Yeah. I don't understand. So much of this could be fixed. You know, and we've got... We could talk for 30 hours on this topic of things that need to be taken place. Get the kids off the smartphones. Go ahead, David, please. No, I, I, I you know, I, I was at a, a large high school uh, recently and had a young lady uh, sitting in the, in the corner uh, in the back room uh, being bullied by some friends. And then when I saw her, I asked her, I said, what are you doing? She was crying, talked to her mom on the phone. And the first thing she said to me was, my friend went through a suicide. I feel like I need to do the same thing. Oh, no, you need to come with me. And I walked her to the front office. What I see when you said about it, it's not in high schools, it's being pacified. They don't want, they don't want it's to being talk pacified. about it. And that young lady, let me tell you something. I introduced her to my wife. We were at a, at a restaurant and the girl was working there. From that day that I talked, walked that young lady from the back corner of that building to the, to the principal's office and then the nurse's office, every day, that girl came by me and said, thank you, Mr. Fulcher. All they want to do is talk. And nobody wants to talk to her. Because then they, and the kids, who was it, David? The friends who didn't want to talk to her. Well, who did we have on here that said, and I, it, I'm going to have to paraphrase this real quick. It's probably the sheets. But I have a, I, I think, I can't remember the conversation, it doesn't matter. But the child, the child whose brother killed himself, his friends, chastise him because his brother killed us yeah and the school did nothing it was his fault that they did nothing go ahead please so everybody's we... raising their hand like all nice and crap just start talking it's like you're the you're the headmaster which is a little frightening <laughs> yes. by the way she's the best behaved on the panel companions on no a journey questions. grief support is in 50 schools how did you the get in there? Because area. it's after the fact? But it is, well, no. So this is grief support. They're running these things free of charge. They go in. They have groups. They run the groups during the kids' lunch periods. They bring in pizza. Everything's funded So generalized grief support. Generalized grief support, yes. It's And then they will try to bring those kids to their mending hearts, to the, right, to right, the young right. adults groups, to the suicide loss group, wherever they feel like they need to be if they want something what additional. What age group schools? You know, school? They're in from, I know for sure, junior high. I don't know how many elementary they're in. Okay. But they're Do in all the high have... schools. They're in the Catholic high schools. are all... All of them in the sure. area. Do you guys have knowledge of Project Fireflies? I've seen the... Lori Borchers is a wonderful Bill person. Gibbons. I just want to throw that there before I forget. Sure. I know Lori's yeah. probably listening. Yeah. That's what she does is the support of that. So Lori Borchers, God bless you and your work. Um, there you go. Okay. Well, that, that's exactly what we should be doing. Is I, you know, There's a couple of programs that, you know, David, you said, what can we do that, you know, it's rubber hitting the road, actually having some impact. Be Present is a national program that, that we represent here in the state of Ohio that directly uh, serves uh, uh, young people, uh, grade school through high school, and it, it speaks directly to those issues, to you know bullying, outside pressure, I, I, all the things that, that can accumulate, and people don't even realize necessarily are happening, but it's a resource that's available, it's available through OSPF. Another one that's excellent, 
four schools, uh, sources of strength. It, it, it gets into the, the helpers, the counselors, the administrators, the educators. My wife is a grade school teacher. These people didn't get into teaching because they don't care about kids. Sure. They got into education because they love kids. Their vocation is taking care of other human beings and moving them along the continuum. Sources mm-hmm. of strength enables them, teaches them, to identify those uh, uh, red flags, those those potential sure. issues that maybe had. And, and for those, anybody that's listening that wants to get connected to these programs, I I, I, I can't tell you how excited we are to put our trainers into a school to get that first step right, that right, you were right. talking mm-hmm. about, Paul. And and you know this is an editorial comment. This isn't my, my me professionally. I I personally think the reason that that you got that feedback and I have a stronger word for it that I won't share in the air <laughs> uh, is because they're afraid. Mm-hmm. That Dude, woman's they, afraid. It's so it's, it's so just apparent that they. Fear, man. It is so apparent that they do not want to. You you know I even had and when I spoke, it was no longer suicide prevention. It was called I had to change it to mental health transitioning. I couldn't even use the word suicide. So mm-hmm. mental health transitioning, and of course once I was on stage, I say whatever the hell I want. But as you can see, uh, <laughs> once the mic's there, but. Um, that's how it's so scary, freaky, scary. And people, you got to understand, man, there are kids, especially right now. Tom, you and I talked about this before. Right now, there are kids, and my heart is bleeding for these kids. I watch them every day out of here. We watch what them we walk did by to them, and I'm going to try not to get heated. But what we did to them over two years, over two years, so stripping the class of 2020. And I told you, I wanted to talk about that. The class of 2020 is a train wreck mess. They're a mess. Their lives came to an abrupt stop. And I've been saying it for over two years now, for over two years. We need to start reaching out to these kids. We need to tell them it's okay to take care of their brain health. Do you remember when it's we okay had the Mills brothers on? What'd they say? Right. The next five years. They, they said the next be... five years going to be train wreck. And David, let me say something. David Fulcher, I'm going to backtrack for a second, folks. And if any of you have something to say about this, please do. Yeah, and if you, if anybody's got any questions, you can text me at uh, 513-407-4807. 513-407-4807. David, I'm going to go back here for a second. I'd like all of you to chime in here because it may hit for you as well. Uh, I've been doing relationship work for 30 years, and you know I do what I do, and I do it pretty well. And, and just like Paul said, after a show's over, people line up like a receiving line at a wedding, and I'm, for two more hours, I'm not. This is not scientific. You can't go on Google and go David Coleman's research. But here's what I've learned over the course of what I do. Men have a tendency to measure their self-worth based on what they do and how well they do it. Women have a tendency to measure their self-worth based on who they are as a person and the difference they're making. When you, when you were done with the Bengals and there was that blip before you went to the Raiders, you were like, I'm not worthy. I, this is, and I, I can't tell you the number of times. And why am I saying this, Paul? You lost a multi-million dollar business in 16 days, something like that, correct? You're not alone. I can't tell you the number of people who are reaching out to me on the internet, et cetera, saying, I'm not the same person. No, man, there's people just not talking. They're, they're not because they're afraid of what their friends are going to think. They're, 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 they're afraid of what people will, people will judge them. Uh, they, they're angry. I'm still pissed. I am. I thought I had it all gone. I'm still, I'm still mad. David, and, let me ask you this, Fulcher. 
that there was that okay, Bengals are done, a little bit of a blip. Now I'm with the Raiders. That blip, you know, we always talk about the dash of our lives. We're born, the dash, we're done, the dashes. That little dash, the blip between your two jobs, what got you through? How'd you do it? Can you give any advice? You know, I, I think for me, the, and we're talking about talking to people and getting out. I met her. I met her in between that blip. I think I did, didn't I? No, it wasn't that. <laughs> that was somebody oh, else. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay, so that, that's those concussion guys. You know, every now and then I get stuff. But I will tell you this here. I, it was hard because, you know, you, I, was, I, I was on top of the world. You know, I was one of the best at my position, not just football, at my position. You played in two Super Bowls? One, just played in one, one Super Bowl. I played in three Pro Bowls. I was player of the year as a defensive back. And that was all, that all happened in the 88, 89 football seasons, the Super Bowl year. And then you, 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 you go from here to there in a, in a matter of a nanosecond. And it was, well, what do I do now? What do I say? And it was like, you know, for months I was like, uh, now what do I do? Where do I go? And then all of a sudden I get that call back to go play with the Raiders. And then I was still the here, even though I was back at the, the peak of playing football. And ironically, the team you wanted to draft you, that drafted one spot after the yeah, Bengals. the team that ironically. I wanted to go play for, and I don't say this, like I hate the Bengals, but the Raiders was my hometown team. And they didn't pick me because the Bengals did. And then the Raiders picked up safety right after me. They didn't even use... 15, 20 seconds of their three minute, five minute of the time, they picked the safety. And I just, but then it was, like I said, we have to be able to communicate and, and, and open up our hearts and talk. You know, I couldn't talk to my former teammates about anything that was happening in my life because, oh, you know, crime river, blah, 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 whatever, you're soft. You know, I even have, still have a, Player, former player, right. saying I was right. a soft guy because I don't because I don't do what they do. One of the things for my safety of my own life, I'm never going to call you as soft. <laughs> just so you know. <laughs> but see, the the people that know me know that uh, I, I give you the best answer I could always give, and I give it to everybody. When my daughter, who's now 27, I got that right, who's 27, <laughs> when she was three, four, five, six, seven, eight years old, hey. It's just my dad. And I heard that, and I'm going, you know what? I am a dad. I play football, but I am her dad. I'm her husband. She's my wife. Oh, you're, we're a football player. No, mm-hmm. I'm David, the husband, the, 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 the father. That humbling experience, David, for me, I spoke to 15,000 people in Louisville. There was a table. People are coming up asking me to autograph and autograph things. My daughter's working the table, and she goes, you want my dad's what? Yeah. So... <laughs> It humbles you very much. And, and what it did for me is that it brought me to a point where, you know what? If I can just communicate and talk to the people that know me, I'm going to be all right. You know, there's a, it, it, it we're, I, I'm hearing, uh, I'm hearing something that just keeps, it just keeps cycling and cycling and, and it's called T-A-L-K. Mm-hmm. You know, when you're having an issue, uh, no matter what it is, you know, you do have to reach out. I find it hard sometimes for myself. Uh, I have a very tight circle of people that I talk with too because I do want to address this. Uh, I do want to address the fact that you do have to be mindful of who you're talking to. 
You do need to be. I was in Dayton, Ohio, speaking on uh, Wright Pat Air Force Base. Had a three-star general hugging me, crying, say, "Who am I supposed to talk to?" You know, we do have to be mindful, and also the, when you're selecting the people to talk to, make sure it's people that you know you can count on their advice, and or at least they will maybe not even advice, but they will listen without spreading the word. Because no matter what anybody says, we can talk about stigma stopping and all that stuff. Guess what? That's a farce. Ain't gonna happen. Not in our lifetime. I do not believe because people still think. Somebody's got a mental health problem. They're crazy. I'm fighting you on that, but go on. I want you to fight me on it because <laughs> yes, I, I, I honestly we're gonna we're gonna wrestle buddy, about buddy, that. Buddy, Tom, <laughs> Tom, I want you to because yeah, here's Tom. here's my wrestle. Here yeah. is my. He, I've been doing this a long time. You will always have those people use what you tell them against you at some point. Be selective, and until we start educating people as a young child. Brain health is never going to change. Well, but that that piece of it, you know, you got right to the core of it in a sense that you know when you start and how, what the messaging comes out and who it, you know who you get it from, who who uh, you trust. Every one of those things, what I'm hearing and and what I heard from David and I heard from Judy talking about the uh, 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 the athlete support group, it's it's fear, right? Being overcome the. I, I have two girls, one's just out of college, one's in college, and I coached them both, and every kid on those teams will tell you if the only thing they heard from me they learned was fear is the enemy. Right. Fear is the enemy. It's the enemy from keeping you talking. Talking. Keeping you from trusting. Keeping you from bringing yourself to other people because you're not going to be accepted. It's so elemental. And, and I honestly believe the only thing that's keeping us, uh, uh, if it's a, a principal, if it's an administrator, if it's a, you know, a, a, a doc, whoever it is that can reach those three, four, five, six, seven-year-old kids when they're super impressionable, it's the fear that they're not, that they're ahead of the curve, that they're not uh, accepted by their peers and the groups around them and all that. You know, you're talking about the guys in the locker room. Well, they can't see the result, you got to get right? past that, man. They, You've got to get past the and, fear. And they can't right? see. It's not a tumor. It's not cancer. It's that, that's the biggest fear, I think, is because you can't see it. They can't see the measurable. They want to they wanna only get involved in things that, in my opinion, that they can see a measurable. Right, that they can give a test for something like that, and uh, again, by by making these children afraid to talk about, and really not, how about just start? Let's start with talking about the brain and how it works, and therefore maybe some nutrition, and talk about how bad sugar is to your kids. If you're sending your kid to school on a donut and a Mountain Dew, you're Fruit Loops. <laughs> Because then they go to a then they go to their doctor and say my kid won't sit down. But they don't tell them about the mountain doing the freaking donut, you know. You know, and I'm going back. You know, and you guys don't know that I'm not a I'm not a drinker. But I remember when I came to the the Bengals and professionally, and we would go out. The pressure that was put on this athlete of hanging around other athletes. Right. So I didn't I didn't I didn't go get a beer. I took a I took a coke and put a little red straw in the coke, mm-hmm. and stood there and did this, like I was stirring up my rum and coke. Mm-hmm. Got it. Because Girl, I was trying. I was I've the done pressure, the, exact same thing. the pressure of me being with my yeah. guys, 
And they would go, I know you're not drinking. You know, you're soft, right? You're not drinking. And I'm like, well, I'm, I'm stirring up the Coke, guys. There's something in there. Mm -hmm. But the pressure there are so that is many put there. on people. So and many. Once again, I didn't, I, didn't, I, didn't, I didn't do that to, it was, it was almost, I, what do I say? Not the fit in, but to be accepted. Yes, yeah, of course. It's a human sure. Tom, I Tom, and I'm 20 years old, 21 years old in the NFL, and I'm here I am going, I don't have to do this. Julie, right. I feel like we've been flipping yeah. around. Well, I want to go with Julie real fast and Tom. Too. I want to I want to mention again the organizations. And I want people to understand the and I'm I'm sitting here and I got I got to punch back over to it. But like your your phone number, the crisis intervention phone number that you guys got listed on your website Here's the cool thing, guys. You can call this 1-800-273-8255. And if you're afraid of what anybody else will think that's around you, these people are there to help you, and they don't know anybody you know. You can talk, and you can vent, and you can get help, right? Fearlessly. 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 And same thing, uh, uh, where, where, what, do you guys have a website? Yes, Companions oh. on a Journey. Org. Say it a little bit slower. Companions, Companions on, on a, a journey.org. Journey. And is there a specific phone number? I don't know it off okay, the top great. of my Okay, great. Not a problem. But it I'll, is I'll on punch the it website, off. yes. Yeah. Um, okay. And we'll have everything that, you know, we're, we mentioned a bunch of stuff, a bunch of programs. I, I you know, David, you got a folder sitting we're there. We're going right to list everything. We'll list we'll, everything. We'll, list we'll We will. And honestly, I, I, you'll never, you're never going to find a more compassionate and accepting and, and stellar person on the other end of the phone or the other end of the room uh, than Julie Ebler. Uh, you're just not. I mean, it, 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 you you all listening are so blessed. Uh, if you need help, just have the courage to raise your hand. It, I wish that that was the end all and be all of the campaign. Just raise your hand. Hey, I buy our dinner every once in a while because I don't want to pay the fee per hour. That's how good she okay. is. Just, I am not a psychologist. I didn't say you were. I yes. have a bachelor's yeah. degree. Well, he's got me running a foundation. You're closer to a psychologist than me. Yeah. Yeah. David, I, I'm gonna. I, what I want to do real fast, if I can, I'm gonna go ahead. I am gonna. I'm gonna spend a, a, a new song that we got. Uh, I'd love to hear it. Be released we all in my church, and uh, I want to kind of take a little bit of a, a breath here. Uh, and come back up and uh, let's really uh, tighten it, uh, um, close this thing out to where people know where they can reach out, uh, know, know who's there. Uh, I'm going to make some challenges to area schools to get your head out of your orifices and get some people in there uh, that are trained to just talk to the kids about brain health or depression or whatever. And uh, absolutely, that, and just is that this, fair enough, guys? I, fair you know, enough. And, and respect. I just there want to respect some coalitions time. just with the people in this room as well. Well, like I said, it's we could amazing. go thirty. We could go thirty hours on this topic, and I I want to make sure that people get the most out of uh, what, sure. what we're talking about today. And uh, we'll we'll uh, we're gonna have you guys back in here, and I think just man, we're just gonna stay on top of this. We're going to make sure people understand you have to. If, if you got up this morning and you bent over and doubled over and fell on the ground, you called doctor. But if you get up this morning and you looked in a mirror and you were disgusted with yourself and thought about killing yourself, you call yourself a coward.
here, here. and you call yourself weak and you're not because the strongest people I know in my life are those people that wake up and get through that darkness and the suicide does not make a human weak he just or she came out on a bad second that came out on the wrong second I'm so tired of people telling me that somebody was weak when I know the hell I went through and I am just blessed that I made it through that we're blessed second. yes so but uh, and I just got emotional I'm gonna cry but um, but it's I, it is it's I, okay I do. so Take I'm gonna play welcome to my church real quick this thing is uh this thing is three minutes 49 seconds we're gonna release it I uh, just got the strings back this is the master you guys hearing it here first and we'll be right back welcome to my church Feel free to look around, give praise and glory, my spirit will be found. Welcome to my church, I'm here every day, just let me in, hear the words I have to say. Welcome to my church, yeah, welcome to my church, welcome to my church. Come on, come on, just believe in me, I'll catch you when you fall. Let peace in me, yeah, I'll rule your heart. Welcome to my church, for a brand new start. Welcome to my church, yeah, welcome to my church. When two or more gather, in my name when you drink from my well never thirst again oh, yeah. welcome to my church welcome to my church yeah. Oh, yeah. 
And most definitely welcome to my church and welcome to our church. And uh, I hope you guys like that song. That thing uh, means a lot to me on a lot of levels. I wrote that, uh, uh, was sent that uh, back in August of 2021 and uh, just finished it two weeks ago. And uh, we're just very blessed to, to have that. And speaking of that, I do want to do want to thank God for uh, everything that he has given to me, both good, bad, and indifferent. Uh, or I guess that would be uh, twice or three times, good, bad, and indifferent. Mm -hmm. If it wasn't for the bad, we wouldn't know we had the good, and uh, and I do want to thank God and uh, uh, for having everybody in the studio today, and uh, and I do uh, also just want to say this, you know, faith. <laughs> I I had to stop speaking on college campuses because they told me I couldn't mention God, and I had to tell them that then they didn't want my story, because God played a huge part in saving me. Uh, if I wouldn't have had faith, I don't think I would have made it as far. And by somebody successfully um, uh, killing themselves or however we want to term it, that doesn't mean they didn't have faith. Again, because there, there are people that say God should have, if they would have turned to God, they would have fixed it. That is not true. Our greatest gift from God was free will. And whereas he may not, you s spoke about it being a, a mortal sin or something like that. Here's something everybody needs to get in their head. How about stop worrying about morality of other people? Worry about yourself because you and you alone will stand before your God if you have one. And I'm going to turn it over from there. Thanks uh, for coming back to Bridging the Gap. And I'm your host, David Coleman. And Julia, I'm going to go to you on this. And uh, you've, if, if you haven't noticed anything else about today's podcast, the people in here have certain beliefs and they're not scared to discuss them. <laughs> There's no fear in people wanting to share what they well, have. Well, I think their everybody's mind. kind of accepting, right? Yeah. I mean, God, we all have different things and it just let people do their thing, man. I think each one of us, not just us in the studio today, but each one of us listening, there's little, there's little triggers that we have. And Julie, I think for you, we were talking, when you hear someone say that someone who took their life was selfish, or took the easy way out. Uh, I get see a look on your face I don't see very often. I see it all the time. It's right, be it's right before the words I want you and your crap out of you right now. <laughs> Julie, well, I, once again, uh, when you hear someone say that someone took their life was selfish, they took the easy way out. You don't care for that. I don't. Um, I don't. There's a there's a, a story that the woman who, um, Sheila Monofokonoza, who runs Companions on a Journey, founded it. She tells the story of her sister, Julie, who died from ovarian cancer. And she had had a struggle with bipolar disorder for her whole life. And in her on her deathbed, she was in so much pain that you couldn't even touch her. And she said to Sheila, I need you to know something. At the in this amount of pain that I'm in, the pain from the cancer does not hold a candle to the amount of pain that my mental illness, my mental health caused me. Mental, mental illness, difficulty struggled with mental health are physically and emotionally and mentally overwhelmingly painful. I don't understand that. I don't suffer with that myself and I thank God for that every day. But I cannot stand in judgment of somebody else and say, this was the easy way out. That is not an easy path. And nobody ever looks at someone who dies from cancer and says, well, they took the easy way out dying from that. You know, they could have fought harder. No one says that. Yeah. When you think about 
the fact that the organ that is failing is your brain. You are making a decision with a faulty organ. Nobody looks at someone with heart disease and says, why can't you run up that set of bleachers? I used to always ask the crowd, I'd say, who has diabetes? And they'd raise their hand. I'd go, why don't you just get over it? Right. You, know, you might hear you got cancer and they raise your hand like get over the tumor yeah what's nobody tells me to like just handle that epilepsy just right. just yeah. handle not it not what's not wrong with you yeah. dude come on yeah. right it, it, it to, to your point to your point you know they and understand this people that are listening and people in this room every situation is different yep. you know I've had people call me you know like when Robin Williams killed himself when he took his when he died sure. by suicide or how you know what <laughs> You don't know. You're not in that man's shoes. You don't. You don't know. It's. Uh, you don't know. And again, I think going back to the judgment of the weakness, like being in schools, and they don't want to talk about it because, well, kids should be just able to get over it. Well, no. Then, then get over your tumor. Get over your diabetes. Get over whatever you got. Right. Uh, if we if we turn that, like you said, they're not. That, that gets my goat when somebody says Absolutely. they took the easy way out of you know? the week. Or, you know, uh, looking at, and you said something, and I'm just going to throw it to you, looking at the survivors and going, you're such a strong person. Mm -hmm. What was your reaction, Julie? We, we said that. You right. Say. Well, I mean, really, what choice? There, I suppose I could go that same path, but really, what choice do you have but to be strong? You have you to put, stand up. You, you had put, kids, right? You put one foot in front of the other. My kids were nine, six, and two. When Steve died. Nine, six, six and, two. and two. And I had to explain suicide to them. I had to explain why he took too much medicine, which was the way we explained it. He overdosed. And try to figure out how to put their lives back together. I needed to I needed to move on. I needed to restart my career. I'd stayed home with the kids. I mean, it was a lot. So that I don't look at that as me being strong. I look at that as what choice... Did I have? Well, the sun comes up, right? I mean, you know, when my father died, my mom's like, you know, sun's coming up. Mm -hmm. You know, get back to work. We went back to work that day. Exactly. I went back to work two hours after he was zipped up in a bag. Paul, I have a question for you before I ask my next question. How much more time do you want to go on this podcast? You know what? what? We're, I, in, I we're in overtime. We, we, I, I say, why don't we do this? Why don't we do about another uh, 15 minutes, okay. folks? And then I'm going to, what I'm going to do, because uh, I want to respect everybody's time. I want to explain something in the in the app. We're going to re-air this at seven in its full, and then what we're going to do is I'm going to die. I'm going to dice it up into two sections. That way, people have two once it's on the uh, playlist. Sure. I want to make sure uh, everybody gets a chance to listen to this and to share it. And Absolutely. But I want to make it manageable. So if we go, uh, you know, 10, 10, 10, 15 more minutes. That's beautiful. Go ahead. We'll close out. Uh, make sure everybody knows. Again, I think what you guys are saying to me, and I think the Fulcher's included here, is talk, talk, talk. Reach out, reach out, reach out. Easier said than done if you're somebody sitting in the abyss. And I know you, Paul. Uh, within three weeks, when we come back in, Fulchers, when you're back in for the next session, you come back in for he will be He'll be releasing talk. I guarantee it. There's going to be a few words after talk, whatever he comes up with. But there will be a song. I've heard three different things discussed today that I know but, will end up songs. You know, we, you, like you said, you know, if, if without reaching out, and those that are in need of help that have gone through this, of any kind of loss, but we're talking about uh, self, self, you know, self loss. Uh, we're talking about suicide. Reach out. You need to reach out too. You need support. You need to talk to somebody. We don't need to, I'm going to be honest with you. 
didn't even think about those people. Didn't even dawn on me. Mm-hmm. You, you, you're in my face right now. Remember we were talking about my, a buddy of mine saying nobody talks about mental health? Yeah, they do. It, until it affected you, you didn't give a crap. And guess what? I'm sitting here staring at this beautiful woman who went through this, and I never thought of you. Man, that's, it's, it's floored me, actually. Julie, I want you to help others. And here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to put a spot on you here, but, and I'm going to ask you to do it succinctly, thorough brevity. You just said nine, six, and two. Mm-hmm. You, I know that over the years your children have faced some things, and I think that you believe part of that is the residue, residue from how to get through it. What have you done? People who are going through the same, I'm going to ask you to be succinct, thorough brevity, take people from where it was to where it is now and any advice you can give. I, well, I mean, I came from a psych background, so I reached out to every possible. My kids were in therapy immediately. I was in therapy immediately. I was in groups. We did Fernside Center for Grieving Children. I took myself to- Say that slower. Fernside Fernside. Center for Grieving Children. Thank you. They are a wonderful organization in Cincinnati. Um, similar to what Companions on a Journey does, and I went to them for me, and just tried to reach out and connect with as many people as possible. There were people in those groups who were further along in their grief journey that were able to give me light, give me hope, and give me practical stuff. What do you do with the paperwork when you sign your kids up for school and you gotta fill out the dad's name? Mm-hmm. All of that stuff, wow, I never that's, of that. that's what I'm here for now. That's why I talk about suicide as much as I do on Facebook, because I want to talk about losing my husband. I want the widows to reach out to me. I want, and I, and I make those connections. You have to speak up, and you also have to pay attention to what you see other people going through. Mm-hmm. When you notice something, say something to the person. Heck, just hi. How about just hi? I mean, we're seeing it right now. I mean, we're talking about, we're talking about suicide. But we're also seeing a lot of grief of loss. There's a lot of grief of loss. Guess what, everybody that's ordering all their crap from Amazon that you just put your neighbors out of work because you don't go to their stores no more. When you know they lost their job, talk to them. Because I guarantee you they're depressed. Mm-hmm. You know? So, and Tom? That's the courage we were talking about. I mean, it really takes courage to to, to reach across a divide. And, and it seems so simplistic. And it's, and oh, somebody would say you know, it's not, a, it's a misuse of the word courage. It's not. It, 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 people need to feel empowered to take responsibility for the people around them. Mm-hmm. And it's, if you do it for a religious reason, because you're devoted to, to, to God, if you're a particular religion, if you do it because you think it's a golden rule, if you do it because somebody did it for you, whatever your motivation is. We've just got to less point, important. People don't even pay attention to each other anymore, man. They're staring at their smartphones or they're doing all this stuff. Pay attention. Paul, do you know what I call it? I have a term for it and I share it all over. It's called legalized avoidance. If I walk past you and you're looking at your cell phone, sorry. If you've got your ear pods on and you're, I'm sorry. If you're walking briskly somewhere, it looks like you have somewhere to go, sorry. You're showing me legalized avoidance. It's amazing to me, man. I mean, we wonder why the kids are a mess. We wonder why we're a mess. It's we, you sit there. I was watching, uh, I was over at, uh, well, I won't say where I was at, but I was over someplace. <laughs> and, and I'm watching this entire family sitting in this restaurant staring at their phones 
together. I mean, didn't even look up. I mean, didn't even... And you know they were posting on Facebook or Twatter or Flapjack. Well, they'll text or, each other so, from the table. Yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? But, uh, and it's so... Uh, yeah, it's crazy. That's Mr. Awesome. David Fulcher, I want to ask, what advice do you have of people that are in your... We're in your world because guess what? I'm hoping that some some professional athletes and or college, I mean, I would imagine same thing with college athletes that not everybody goes to the NFL or the ABC or the JLQ or MLP. So nobody ever, not everybody gets to the big show. So those college students have to be going through some sort of withdrawal when uh, some sort of life change. What What's the suggestion for the, the big athlete, uh, not just men, uh, the women athletes, well, the women athletes that were women, not men that are women now that were men later, but what advice do you give to those people? How'd you, what do you give? Well, I, I know the NFL has a, uh, a support um, group that the NFL players, and I'm pretty sure college guys have the same thing, but you know, you know, my, my, obviously my dad, uh, police officer in LA for 25 years, and then my coach, Willie Shaw, who was like a second dad or first dad, because I was in, I, reach out to your your position coach. You know, reach out to someone that uh, you are with probably more than anybody else when it comes to a coach, and and, and and express yourself, and then don't feel lesser of a man because you have this. And and I don't call it a weakness. It's just that you're not strong enough to get that done yet. Okay, just like when I had to lift weights. In order for me to pick up 225 pounds, I had to pick up 185 pounds and work my way up to 225. So that illness, so that 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 defect that you might be holding on to, you know, find find that coach, find that person, because that, that there's a person out there. It's really interesting, David. For every person listening, I, I just thought, who would be my position coach? Yeah. Who was my speaking mentor? Who who can I talk to, judgment free, that will shoot straight back? One thing's for sure is the eight hundred number, Jack. That's Absolutely. One thing for sure is these these organizations that we're reaching out to, and for for pro athletes or even you know even I mean come on, let's face it, it's everybody goes through it when you're when you're an executive or you've worked all your life, whether you're a UPS truck driver or a pole ditch digger or something like that, and your career's over. All of a sudden, what's next comes into play. Everybody goes through that drop in their uh, thing. You know, I, I watch people all the time. They retire. Man, they just melt. They, they just spiral. They just end up sitting on a couch eating potato chips and mm -hmm. feeling sorry for themselves. Next thing you know, they're, they're, they're a, a train wreck. Before we come to an end, Tom, I'm going to start with you. Okay. I, I, almost like uh, if, we were this, if this was a debate, it's your last couple of minutes to say, here's where it's at. Here's how we can help. Here's the number. Here's an event upcoming. It's uh, we've covered so much stuff, and I'm so grateful, uh, and we're so grateful at the foundation for the opportunity to reach out to people to to befriend uh, new friends in the Fultures and 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 Paul, uh, because it illustrates just what we said in three different ways that there's always somebody at the other end. There is somebody there. And the way I know that is when somebody's gone, there's an awful lot of people there in the wake who, who all look at each other and say, I would have helped this person in a hot second mm -hmm. if they just would have asked. Uh, so, you know, that, that, that black cloud that you get in that, that changes your viewpoint. I, I, I use the funhouse mirror example all the time. 
It's like you're looking at yourself in a funhouse mirror. Hmm. When you look at yourself in a real mirror, you look normal. You look at yourself in a funhouse mirror, you, you're all twisted out of... That's uh, very uh, profound. And, and if you're looking at yourself in a funhouse mirror, reach out to somebody. I will tell you, for our uh, for this particular uh, topic of suicide and suicide prevention, it, you know we're at ohiospf.org. We are are there are programs for almost every demographic. If you're a parent looking for a kid, if you're a, 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 a you know a boyfriend looking for a girlfriend, if you're a, a coach looking for a, 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 a you know a, a, a team member, whatever it is, if if you're a a battalion leader. Right. Like my friend, uh, Andrew Harlan, who just lost a kid in his National Guard troop last week. Hmm. I, I was 19 years old. I, I, we are there. We have an event coming up. David, you know, it was nice of you to mention it. Uh, we have a conference for veteran suicide uh, next September. I'd love to be there. Uh, we're definitely going to have you. Uh, it is an epidemic and we are gonna meet it head on. Like we've tried to do everything, but we are going full bore into this. Uh, because the people that serve are us, so we can sit here and you know and and, right. and talk like this with absolute freedom. Uh, have to be taken care of. We have an obligation to take care of those people, uh, and the conference will be the first step toward that. Tom, do you know real quick? Do you know uh, the Save a Warrior uh, Foundation? Yeah. Okay, yeah. so you yeah. know Jake Clark. We do. Okay, we do. Jake. Yeah. I was just yeah. texting with Jake this morning, yeah. and yeah. I told he does him great you work. Yeah. I, 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 you know, there's, there's an awful lot. Yeah, there's a lot. Yeah. Of, but. You know, my sister works at the VA with yeah. with gambling addiction and, and pets. You can't. We can't have enough people working. Well, like I on said this before, you can't throw a dead cat without hitting help, Jack. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you just can't. People need to understand that. Yeah. And the most it, important, the big thing is asking Absolutely. for asking. it. And I'd like to invite everybody, and and you know, it, it, we'll have more information about this on the uh, on the uh, website, the Bootlegger's website. Uh, the Art of Healing benefit. Is our first benefit we've ever done. It's in uh, hmm. September, uh, the 29th. Because where, our, where it's up in Columbus at the Fives, but it's we're a statewide organization. We're happy to have people get involved, regardless of of where you are and where you live. Fulcher's um, let's get in the car and go. I like it. There. Uh, the Fives is a brand new place. Super, um, just perfect, beautiful venue. But the, the, the real thrust of music, it then. is the art of healing, because art. An artistic response is like my good friend Julie, uh, who's going to be featured. Her work is going to be featured at, at this event. We hope to break the stigma surrounding mental health and suicide with the power of art and artistic expression. And we would love to have anybody who would like to get involved, would like to sponsor, would like to help us out. Uh, we're going to be available uh, on the Bootleggers That's website. Fabulous. That's awesome. Julie. OhioSPF.org. What would you like to say? As we've been talking about the pandemic a little bit, I will say that I'm a, I'm a big, bright, you know, where's the bright spot in something? What can you still be grateful for? I believe that the pandemic has caused so much isolation that it's, it's yielding more of a focus on mental health right now. It's, it's causing people to be willing to talk because so many of us have struggled. So if there's one bright spot coming out of all of this, I think that impetus to speak the, the the motivation to talk to one another and to reach out. That's the first thing. Second thing I would say is not everybody has people in their immediate circle who they can talk to. 
that they see in their family, in the people that are supposed right, right. to love and support them. Not everybody has that. Well, we also or learned that not, through the pandemic. Or they may Family's not, yes. not always. And they may not think that they have somebody there. But right. again, to Tom's point, when that person is gone, there are so many people around them who come out of the woodwork and say, I would have helped. Mm-hmm. They don't always get the response that they need. So it's not only about reaching out, but it's about reaching out to the people, as Fred Rogers used to say, find the helpers. Uh-huh. Find those people that you know you can talk to, your school guidance counselor, your mm-hmm. HR department, somebody that you meet that, that has seems to have a kindness. There are hotlines. There are places to go that are going to yield a more effective response for you if you're not getting it in your immediate circle. Mm-hmm. Julie, Sometimes you have your a, circle needs that push to notice. Do you have an email or a number that you're comfortable with people reaching you, or would you rather reach it through the app? Um. For just to reach you, oh, if, anything, gosh. if anything you said today uh, sure. resonated with well, them. What's your, uh, do you have an email that uh, yes. they can direct to? I would be happy to. Great, it's go ahead. Julie.Leonard, L E O N A R D, 1010 at Gmail. And I will make sure that uh, that's posted in the uh, description of the podcast as well as uh, when, it, uh, when it goes up that way. And uh, we'll make sure uh, that's there. Julie, I want to have you back for sure. I want, I, I'd sure like to have this room repeated. But I, I just want to say Tom, this. Tom talks too much. We didn't get to. Uh, <laughs> I know there was a story. There's a, a pretty profound story about after your husband died and feelings in the house and the effect it had on you and having being able to help your husband transition on and the effect that had on your family. We sure can't go into it now, but I believe it would make a pretty compelling story for people to hear. Compelling yeah, is the understatement of the month. That is, yeah. Tom, that Tom kept looking at me you. with a mouthful of food wide open, just staring at me while you were... But thank you. And Judy, what about you, Judy Fulcher? I just want to reiterate the talk. Reach out to someone. It could be someone in an elevator that you just look at and say, you know what, you have a smile on your face and I need help. That's crazy. I mean, you never know what someone's going through. And we talked about that when we were on last week. Right. Everybody that's around us, no matter where we are, is going through something. Something. Remember that and be nice to people. (laughs) Smile to people when you're out and about. You don't know who you might save from taking that next moment, that next nanosecond. We talk about, you know, how mean people are and berating people with a a waitress or, you know, I was in a car business and they get pissed that the latte machine's broken or screaming at people like, guys, wake up, man. There's everybody's got a battle. Everybody's fighting something and you're going to bitch to me because your latte's cold. But it's gotten worse since the pandemic. It's got well, we be like you go into restaurants and they don't have enough help, and they're taking it out on the waitress who's doing their best job. Take the toilet paper. I couldn't even get toilet paper. I had to wash my Yorkie three times a week after that. (laughs) (laughs) Poor little welcome, welcome to the Paul Jones show. (laughs) I just went back to Dookie again. Then he went to Dookie. Dookie Hauser is back. And I and I got and I just got accused of talking too much. Are you kidding me with that, (laughs) Tom? Tom Hurtless, there's something I want you to understand. For once in your life, outside of David Fulcher, who is a walking angel, but for the rest of you with Paul in the same room, you're angelic. Do you understand that? You're angelic. Mm -hmm. Well, let's go to David Fulcher. Fulcher. What would you like to say, David? Oh, man, I was just, I was in the alls conversation. (laughs) (laughs) You know, find find your go-to. Find your go-to person. Mm -hmm. Everybody's got a go-to person, somebody out there. Find that person. And just... 
you know, open your heart and talk to them. And it could be a family member, it could be a friend, it could be somebody that you just see walking through the building that you, you, that you notice and you see them. And, you know, you could tell sometimes uh, how, how a person is really up in the air or somebody really down, very bubbly, quiet to themselves. Hey, I just saw you sitting here and you, you just, can I, can I talk? Can we talk? Let's say something and, and you go from there. I have a friend that I coach. This last thing I'll say. I have a friend that I coach. He's been, we've already had an episode with him. His name is Matthew Shapiro. He has cerebral palsy. He's never known really a day outside of his chair. And he taught me a very valuable lesson. He said, David, when we're out, if you see someone in a chair, their smile, walk over and say hello. And just simply say the words, what put you in a chair today? Just start that conversation. Don't treat it like it's a white elephant. Don't treat it like they're not there. Just say, hi, it's nice to meet you. What put you in a chair today? Well, I was born. What? They'll start into it. Most, most of them are not going to look at you and go, get away, you're a loser, I want to talk to you about it. You approach them. And in a nutshell, what I'm saying to people is, and Judy, it's really interesting. You're on an elevator, someone's smiling, going, you're smiling, so I'm going to tell you I'm having a rough day. Uh, and, and I'll just say this, I'm going to turn it back over to you, Paul, and we'll come to an end. Just yesterday, and I, we're talking about the difference since the pandemic was over. I was driving yesterday, I was getting ready to turn in, I was going to get my car washed, simply get that. And someone cut me off, so I got stopped rather than commit, you know, getting an accident. And it put me in a bad spot. A car coming the other direction that could have easily went around me figured that I was being impatient and got as close to me as possible without hitting me, cussed me out, and then went past me. Instead of just going a little bit to the right, going by, they didn't see me get stopped and almost hit. That doesn't have to be that way. This whole station, you know, for the love of God, one song at a time, one podcast at a time, we're trying to make people a nicer place, more connected, I think we did that today, and we'll continue to try and do it every day. And I'm sure glad that of the three opportunities that you were involved in where you were almost not on the planet, Paul, we're sure glad you're here because this podcast wouldn't have happened. The station wouldn't happen. That would be a shame. Well, I appreciate that, David. I really do, man. Well, I am, I'm pretty happy myself. I mean, it's a lot better, a lot better uh, for me. And The and world's better with you on this side yeah, of the grass. Yeah, so, but, uh, Hey, I want to just thank everybody. I want to thank David Coleman for uh, his show, uh, Bridging the Gap. I want to thank everybody that's in this studio today. It's a plethora, and uh, it's growing. I mean, uh, eventually we may need to uh, get a bigger building and have some bleachers and stuff. I'm and thinking about woo, theater woo, seating. Woo, 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 woo. Can we do theater seating? David, David, David. <laughs> and uh, maybe we can get Jerry Springer in here if he's uh, still around. Does <laughs> he, he still exist? live in town? I don't even know if he exists. So. Does he? I but, uh, that would be yeah. fun, actually. No, yeah, yeah. I, I got to tell you, one we were down at the what was that the restaurant down in uh, in uh, downtown Cincinnati? The chef uh, uh, ran the restaurant. Uh, it doesn't matter. But You're talking about the French one, yeah, Mason yeah. Amazing. Robert. No, right, yeah, John Robert. John Robert. Uh, he was he was parking his car. This is uh, years ago. He was parking his Rolls Royce, and my wife and I came out after eating dinner and as he got out I said I'll take that for you Mr. Springer and he gave me the keys to his rolls and I took off down the street <laughs> <laughs> the valets chased me going, he doesn't work here he doesn't work here but you know ironically when I got back he tipped me but he wrote a check but I wasn't going to bounce it oh I mean I wasn't going to cash it so <laughs> the good thing is you now have the Mills Chief Brothers that can get you out of jail that's exactly it so it hey, I'm going to take us out of here coming. I'm going to take us out of here with a uh uh, with a song. This is a, a new song uh, that was written and performed by my new buddy, uh, a man dear to my heart, 
uh, Pastor Bob Neal, and it is called Words. And listen to this song because basically what it is telling you is watch what comes out of your pie hole. I know I don't have much of a filter, but you do need to watch what uh, comes out of your mouth. And uh, with that, is that cool? I'm going to spin it. That's it. Thanks for being with us on this episode of Bridging the Gap. And I'm going to Thank you very much. I'm going to go ahead and spin it, and then uh, we're going to go back on autopilot, and you can uh, get this at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on the station right here. And then also uh, uh, tomorrow morning at 7 o'clock, it'll be listed on the uh, past talks. Thank you, sir. So here you go. Words by Pastor Bob Neal. token to a flame that once burned bright deep to the night giving you a light so you could see were they kind you know our lips can move before we use our mind we just can't get a grip sometimes on words that tear apart Words that break a heart Words that come back to haunt you and me Kind and loving thoughts can be far, far away With games we like to play Words that we say So many times we say things that cause pain Words that bring shame that shouldn't be Can't you see They aren't necessary Let them be For the guilt you may carry Will be there in many ways Throughout all your days And the pain these words have caused Will go away Were they true?